0: morning we share in two scripture readings we'll share first from the gospel of mark chapter one For the last few weeks we've been following jesus through mark chapter one and then next we'll read from first corinthians chapter nine and paul's uh, imploring the people of corinth as well i believe as us to do all things to all people to reach them to go to them to share the the love of God with them. Will you turn with me first to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. Jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset they brought him to all who were sick or possessed with demons. The whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place, and he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. And he answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in the synagogues and casting out demons. Now from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 16-23. through 23. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting. For an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will... I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law. So that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside of the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am free under Christ's law. So that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now I don't have to ask you why you know this saying. That's between you and someone else. But I think we all know the context of the quote, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, right? Oh, you know, we know why it's used. Or we listen to sappy alternative rock music in the late 90s and we remember the song Closing Time. But beyond some cultural context of understanding this passage, this phrase just keeps coming to mind as I think about these particular scriptures. In the context of faith, when it comes to developing developing our faith and growing in our relationship with Jesus, you don't have to go home. You maybe can't go home, but you can't stay where you are either. The gospel will always call you out. It will always call you to reach beyond where you are. It will call you to face fears and discomfort. And it will cause you, call you to embrace new things. This is because you cannot share the gospel if you're not willing to experience something new. When you think of experiencing the power of God without being drawn beyond where you are, what you know and what you are comfortable with, you have to reckon with the fact that you might be experiencing the call of a God that is made of your, in your own image. It is a God of your own making. Because the very existence and growth of the gospel happens because those who are called by God realize that they cannot stay where they are. The gospel pulls us all beyond the familiar to show us how God has worked, does work, and will work Therefore, in this way, you, may not have, you, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay put. Now, this leads me to a common enemy. I almost would like to say that the enemy of the gospel is a thing called confirmation bias. I'm going to give a very thin definition of confirmation bias, but you know what it is. Oh, we all practice it all the time. Confirmation bias, by definition, is the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information in a way that confirms one's pre-existing beliefs or hypotheses. I think I said that right. The English teachers will correct me on the way out the door. (laughs) Now, despite a disinterest in really diving into politics, Politics in 2018 is one of the easiest places to see confirmation bias. We watch the channels that support our viewpoints. This is confirmation bias. Social media sites, politics or not, unapologetically feed us information that they think we want to see, which feeds our bias towards information. And because the political views of an individual can often be discerned by a particular matrix of the magazines you subscribe to, an attitude you have towards a certain newspaper, uh, a radio preset that you've set in your car, oh, and obviously the bumper stickers that we place on our vehicles, the reality is confirmation bias is the way of the world. Sure, in politics, we see it. We see it because if you like the president, when the president, whoever it is, gives a speech like the State of the Union, you think, that was fantastic. And if you don't like the president, when the president gives a speech like the State of the Union, you say, that was dreadful. That's confirmation bias. I like you, you propose that, I do that. And then we have a cycle. And look, it's fine it's important to notice it. It's important to know it exists. It well, you know, when we talk about our sports teams, confirmation bias helps us. When our teams lose, we go to our teams websites to you know, get cheered up, like there's going to be another day. Or if we want to, you know, really feel the hate, we go to the Tar Heel website and they tell us how horrible Duke is. We understand how it works. But I do think it's the enemy of the gospel. And it is an enemy to us when we want to grow in our faith. Confirmation bias will hold us back. A bias towards where we are will hold us back. Now, when we meet Jesus this morning, he's still in Galilee. He's going to stay in Galilee, but he's in a particular town where he was last week, and he healed in the synagogue. Today, he goes into Simon and Andrew's home, and he heals Simon's mother-in-law, who's been sick. Because of this, because of everything we've seen in Mark chapter 1, the people of the area have honed in on Jesus They're coming to him. They need him because they want his help. And so through the evening and the night, he heals the sick and he casts out demons. His ministry at this point is one of meeting the direct acute needs of others. It was surely exhausting to him. And it was not the only thing he was called to. That's why when we reach verse 35, things start to change a little bit. They change in his form of ministry, and they change in his, in his way of practicing his relationship with God. In verse 35, we read, we see that early in the morning, Jesus gets up from where he is, and he goes to a solitary place to pray. And then in verse 38 and 9, the disciples tell him that the people are calling him But he knows that his ministry is beyond where he's at, and so he tells them they must go. Now, people are going to follow him everywhere, and so Jesus sets this pattern that's very important. Early in the morning, he gets away from the crowd. He gets to where the crowd cannot find him, and he prays. If you're one of those note-taking people, you can write this down and you can never write it down enough because it's always important for us to remember that if we want to grow in our relationship with God, one component of that is that we take time away from the crowds and the chaos to pray. That is much to the dismay of the energized extroverts among us. And somewhere along the way, there'll be a sermon to the introverts. You can't just stay inside praying all the time if you want to spread the gospel. But we can't just always be with people if we want to grow in our relationship with God. So Jesus gets away to pray. And what happens next gets really hard because Jesus embodies a reality that often... Well... The reality is that if we want to grow in our ministry, our reach, and our faithfulness to God, we have to leave where we are. We can't just stay where we are. That's why, I think in part, Jesus tells the disciples, it's time to go. It's time to get beyond right where we are in this town. Jesus, he knows that right there in that town where Simon's mother-in-law was, there would be countless ills. He could do local ministry there forever and never meet everybody's need. But what he sees is that his work from God needs to grow beyond just that one place. His call was to get up, to stretch, to face fears and to be willing to move. Because the call of God is not something that allows us to stay here all the time. Jesus moved geographically in this passage. But the bigger challenge for us, actually, even though we have all the access to all of the geographic movement that we could ever imagine, we can go places that generations before us couldn't dream. We have to sometimes move beyond our point of view, not just our zip code. We have to force ourselves to ask, when the when, when the, the Bible tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, do our hearts, do we mean everyone? When we see the example of Jesus leaving Galilee, do we see how he is moving beyond just a region? Do we see how he's taking his reach beyond a comfort zone, a place where he's known to reach someone else. Do we see how in making this move that Jesus makes, we might have to change the channel, step back from the social feed, acknowledge our comfort, our places of comfort and our places of discomfort and see the ways that our lenses might be clouded so that we can clean the lenses, listen to someone else and by in some way connect to them and their beliefs and their needs so we can see how God is at work among everyone, all people. When Jesus left Galilee, it was, or left this town, it was literal and it was symbolic. Jesus literally moves. But Paul pushes us symbolically to do this. (laughs) The Corinthian church was peculiar because because of how the good news spread there in Corinth. You see, in a lot of the churches, Paul was just preaching to the peasants. The gospel took hold among the poor, the downtrodden, and, and the slaves of a community. But the Corinthian church was different. It was made up of males and females. It was made up of rich and poor slaves and slave owners, the gospel took hold with with people in Corinth that it hadn't in other places. And that made for a complex mix of a church. But Paul a- affirms the true power of the gospel when he says, I've become all things to all people so that by all means some might be saved. He's encouraging this church that this gospel is for all of us and And we're going to have to do whatever it takes to help many hear the good word. Now on the surface, Paul's language, especially to like the high school ear, is like, he is just going to be two-faced. He's just going to be wishy-washy. He's just willing to do whatever he has to do to get through a social setting. But that that couldn't be further from the truth. Paul is willing to walk in someone else's shoes rather than his own if it allows them to see the power of the good news. Paul puts his own agenda uh, aside and defers to another person's needs when it gives them the chance to respond. Paul subverts his own rights, his own needs, his own feelings, his own desire to just stay where he is so that he can reach someone else with the good news. And that's hard for us, because, because we live in a world that tells us you can, you can live out your independence. It's, it's your right to do what it is that you want to do, to express your beliefs the way you want to express them. But when we skew too far that way, Sometimes we forget that the gospel is not just about our own salvation, but our salvation is expressed in the way we love our neighbor as ourselves. And so the good news is that the good news is spread by setting aside our own directions and desires and allow the good word to rise to the top So that it's not hidden by our own agendas. And it gets pointed to others so that the ways that we speak and act and think and embody this faith can be expressed in ways that they can understand. And that's why Paul reaches beyond himself and his own freedom to eat whatever he wants to, because everything is permissible, to allow others to see the good news. I think that's why Jesus leaves the town where he's at to preach along the way so that the whole world gets a glimpse of the good word. And I think that might be a sign for us that we can't stay here if we want to be at work for the sake of the gospel. It's tempting to think that movement. That forward motion and that responding to the call demands that we, oh, change addresses or zip codes. But confessionally, as someone who's moved a lot in his life, I can tell you that when you're following the call of God, changing your address is the easy part. When we're called to leave, when we're, we're called to be faithful, well, again, the moving truck is the easy part. For most of us, the harder part is, is the emotional part. It's ideologically, theologically, spiritually moving from where we're comfortable in order to express love to someone who might be different than us. Facing the fears that we have that are natural. Natural. But the call of God doesn't allow us to sit still in our fears. It doesn't allow us to remain totally comfortable all of the time. And it doesn't allow us to see the world as one big confirmation of the way that we believe things should be. Rather, I think that's why we're pushed to go out of the town that we're in. Why Paul pushes the Corinthian church, the diverse Corinthian church, to be all things to one another so that the good news can be lifted up. It was movement. It was growth. It wasn't leaving Corinth. It was leaving the comfort of what they thought they were supposed to be doing. Jesus does this. It propels him from Galilee. Paul does it. It propels the church to love itself better. And if we want to fulfill the call of God upon us, we have to acknowledge that we can't just stay where we are. That we have to be called forward to something else, to what's next, and to the people and the places and the ways of being Christian people in our community that allow everyone here to experience the good news in a way they can understand And embody. And so we reach out from our comfort. Because the places where it's comfortable have already heard the good news. They don't need it. They've got it. But we've got something others need. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I do believe that is the call of the gospel for us. You can't follow faithfully by staying just where you are, by not changing the channel, by only believing the people that you already like, and by surrounding yourselves with people who confirm what you already believe. You can certainly experience the presence and power of a little g, God that you've created in your own image by doing that. But that is not the good news of the gospel. The good news of God's gospel doesn't allow us to stay where we are. It it challenges us to grow. I pray today that we will face that fear, that we will grow, and that we will follow where God is leading us to grow today. Will you pray with me? Loving God, you call us forward. You call us to what's next. You call us to keep walking down the road so that we can share your love with someone else. Lord, in the life of Jesus, we see how his ministry spread throughout the whole region. Lord, in the life of the church, we see how that ministry has spread itself through the whole world. And, Lord, we see how through the work of Paul, even in an individual church like the one at Corinth, the unique gift of diversity in that church forced the gospel to be embodied by everyone with generosity and grace and love. And so, Lord, do the same for us. Help us to see the ways that you are calling us forward. Help us to see the ways that you are calling us to move and to not stay where we're at. And Lord, help us not be so simple-minded to think that that means we put a for-sale sign in our yard, but rather we open our hearts up to those who are near us and around us who need to hear a good word, who need us to minister to them in ways that they might be saved. Lord, help us to be people who embody your love, who are called forward from where we are and who experience your love by sharing it today. This, O Lord, is our prayer that we offer in your name. Amen.